everyone, and welcome back to those viewers who have been with us since the first episode. Last episode, we talked about privacy awareness related to social media and how generations feel about their information online. This week, we're going to switch gears and dive on into the topic of climate change. But before I do that, for those who are joining us today, I'm your host, Miguel Pico. I am currently a junior at Syracuse University, pursuing a Bachelor of Arts in Policy Studies, wanting to make a difference in today's world, and I will one day at a time. I love to be blunt, I served in the military, I love to go outdoors, and I love to travel around the world and see what's out there. Okay, that's a little bit about me. Time for us to get started with our show. You're currently listening to Gen Z. Talk to me. I don't know about you, but climate change is a big deal. Why? Well, for those who don't know, the Earth has been warming up on a steadily incline. And strange enough, though, there is a parallel between war escalation and the climate anomaly. War and climate actually go hand in hand together. I don't know about you, but looking under NASA, I've noticed that whenever there was a major conflict in the world, the climate anomaly would actually shift and increase with the carbon emissions. According to an article by the Air Force Institute, uh, they explain the environmental concerns of what greenhouse gases are. And according to the article, I'll go ahead and explain to you what it means. Greenhouse gases trap heat in the Earth's atmosphere. According to the Energy Information Administration, these gases allow sunlight to enter the atmosphere freely. When sunlight strikes the Earth's surface, some of it re-radiates back towards the space as an infrared radiation, which is heat. Greenhouse gases absorb this infrared radiation and trap the heat into the atmosphere. Now, that is coming from the Air Force article. This is a general knowledge. I would rather it is good information as they articulate pretty well. Now, greenhouse gases typically naturally occur into our um, into our world, like carbon dioxide, methane, nitrous oxide, um, fluorine. These are all gases, but they are also principal gases that are trapped in the atmosphere because of our activities. And this is the result typically from fossil fuels. Now, you're probably wondering, where the hell am I going with this? Well, let me tell you. What I'm trying to get at is, with the military, the gases that are being produced is because of the fuel being exhausted from our Humvees, our LMTVs. And for those who do not know what I'm saying, these are military vehicles, ground vehicles, as well as aircraft. The fuel that is used in the military is called JP-8, which is jet fuel that is also utilized by military-grade vehicles. It saves the military money from having a fuel that is alternatively used from both between ground vehicles, air vehicles, and generators. Fun fact for many people who know this, I was a wheeled mechanic in the military, so this is a great opportunity for me to actually elaborate on the ground eyes about this kind of fuel. From being a wheeled mechanic, working with the fueling trucks, working with uh, the ground vehicles, I will say that diesel engines are actually better than the conventional engines. One thing the military likes to do is purchase um, fuel that's going to be friendly, but also save them the most for their buck. That's the biggest thing. The military wants to get quantity at the cheapest price, meaning quantity over quality. When we talk about quality over quantity, we'll give you an idea. So sometimes when you see prices at gas stations, you see how much that diesel costs for some trucks, which could be around $2.80. Sometimes it can cost up to $3 for those semi-trucks. 
According to the Air Force Institute, this is the cost for JP fuel. The total cost of a typical diesel fuel is a sum of four categories of costs. Using a retail price of $2.80 per gallon back in October 2010, one finds that these categories include 17% for taxes, 12% for distribution and marketing, 6% for refining, and 65% for crude oil. The authors estimated the costs for the associated with raw material extraction processing for JP-8. Since the Air Force spends $6.7 billion on jet fuel in 2008, we estimate that the cost of raw material extraction, which is the best value of crude oil, and refining were approximately $4.4 billion and $402 million, respectively. This database sectors that would go for the cost were oil and gas extraction and petroleum refineries. With that fact, that gives you an idea that the cost does play a role, but realistically, the impact of JP-8, even though it is diesel, it still it has petroleum base, which affects the atmosphere. And the problem is, is that the military wants to find a greener product. They want to fix their mistakes. They want to change, and they're willing to pay for it so we don't pay down the road. Unlike the predecessors and the current military, today's military is more conscious of the environmental impact of war, and they want to go green. We know war will never disappear, but there are obstacles that they can overcome from a greener perspective, even though that the military does have the quantity for its buck always being cheap. Now, right now the Air Force is trying to think of ways to help find a, a more fuel-effective resource, from biomass to a fuel that is actually alternative, and there is a few criteria you must meet. The current fuel standard that is being recognized, like I said, is JP-8, but the fuel that they're trying to find alternative has to be under the greenhouse gas standard of 20%. JP-8 right now is around 14%, but the greenhouse standard right now, the problem is we have found alternatives, like we talk about cornstarches, uh, lipids, and oils, and we are able to make biomass fuel. And the biomass makes a biodiesel. The problem is biodiesel is good for ground vehicles, not aircraft. And the military from all branches want fuel that is versatile from aircraft, ground vehicles, generators. And if it's not versatile, unfortunately, the military will not invest in it. So with that said, the current fuel uh, affects climate in a way that it does increase and it does impact the ozone layer, which increases the greenhouse gases from the carbon emissions. The things that aren't being considered that many people want to say, let's do a greener perspective. Well, a lot of the fuel being produced from the diesel standard actually has a high carbon emissions. For many people who don't know, the United States has and actually is the largest carbon emission producer in the world. And this actually raises the temperature of the planet, which is creating the anomaly of global warming, aka. And the one interesting fact about this increase of greenhouse gases where I don't think people are recognizing is that they are creating devastating storms, hurricanes, um, the unbalance um, within the world that we are facing today, the massive uh, hurricanes, the severe droughts, this is all affected by greenhouse gases. There is a solution though to this problem. The thing is, the DOD and the Air Force are working on ways to find um, a new strategy to address this issue. We know that global warming is an issue with the greenhouse gases. We know JP-8 is not the most effective, but it is cleaner 
compared to most carbon emission fuels. The problem is, is that it's still producing carbon to where it is affecting. We have conflicts all over the world with Iraq and Afghanistan, with the war. Uh, well, we have conflicts and troops all over the world. And the more war, the more carbon emissions there are, not only just from the United States, but from other countries as well. And global warming is tied to the conflict of interest of global warming. In the end, there will be changes and solutions in the near future. This research has started recently in 2008, and it's 2019. Eventually, and hopefully in the next 10 years, there will be new fuel the military uses. And the pattern that has been noticed and aware of how military missions in wars show an increase in greenhouse gases emissions and carbon emissions, warming our planet will soon come on a slower, steadily incline, if not a straight baseline. And that's when we will all around the world will notice that the military conflict with global warming will slower down. Until then, just recognize that war is also parallel as with climate change and growth. As long as there's war, there always will be climate growth. Until the fuel changes, there always will be climate growth. Well, greenhouse gas is promoting climate change. Well, folks, that is all for I have for today. I do have a couple questions that I want you to consider and think about. Currently, the researchers from the Air Force and the DoD are right now trying to figure out what type of fuels would work. According to the article, Air Force Institute of Technology, regardless of these fuels, researchers are currently investigating three primary types of biomass to produce ground vehicle fuels and jet fuels, sugars and starches, fats and oils, and lysolulose material. Corn is an example of starch widely used for production of ethanol in the United States. However, we cannot use ethanol for jet fuel because of its low flash point and heat of combustion. From triglycerides, from flats, from fats and oil seeds, we currently produce biodiesel, a fuel appropriate for ground vehicles but not aircraft. And finally, the switchgrass represents a lingocellulose biomass used to produce aviation fuel. From that statement, I want you all to think about this. And maybe we all can work together besides having just the military researchers. What other alternatives could we use that will not only help ground vehicles, but will also have enough burning flashpoint that will allow aircraft to stay in the air and will be utilized not only from aircraft, but ground vehicles and generators. If we are able to find an alternative, please don't be afraid. Reach out and let the DOD know. They will happily be receptive and take your ideas. This is a team effort, not only a military effort, but an effort by everyone and all. If you guys have any ideas, think about that. What alternatives can we use besides triglycerides, fats, starches, and corn that we all know now? What other resources can we use that will not make a large carbon footprint? What also would also benefit the production that would lower carbon emissions? Because we also recognize that to make these fuels require carbon emissions as well. So what can we do for alternative production as well as use of these fuels? Think about that for next time. All right, folks, that's all we have for today's episode. On next episode, we're going to go ahead and talk about, wow, what is fishing? Do people still fish these days, or do we fish on our phones? 
We'll talk about computer technology on phishing. Is it real or is it something that hackers enjoy? See you next time on Gen Z. Talk to me.